Welcome to this week's podcast. My name is Mickey Badlamenti, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we've modified our church schedule to help keep people safe. We currently offer on-site Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. with limited capacity, and we ask that you register ahead of time. Please visit www.rockpoint.org slash register before you join in person. That way we can save your seat. And we also live stream the 11 a.m. service on our YouTube channel. You can always find Rock Point on Facebook or visit the website for more information, including important schedule updates. And while COVID may have affected how we do church, it cannot diminish our efforts together to be the church. We look forward to connecting with you. Enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome. Hello. Glad to have you here, whether you're in person or through the live stream. Um, pretty full house here today. A uh, couple of things in mind. First of all, today begins the change of our protocols. So we're asking you to wear a mask coming in, going out, standing or singing at any time, even at the end of the service. But for this portion of the service beginning now, for those that you want to, you may remove the mask and breathe a little more free. And everybody said amen. Yes. Just remember on the way out. Okay. Um, so this changes uh, a little bit of our protocols going forward. Keep in mind, we have Easter coming up quickly. Um, we have three services we're going to be offering. Uh, I think it's eight. 8.30, rather, uh, 10 and 11.30. We'll be going back to our two-service format after that at this point in time. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. I'm conscious of the fact that today is Time Change Sunday. I understand that there is a vote going into Congress right now to eliminate the idea of the time changes in general. On, um, first service is still got some space available. Uh, we're going to continue our registration, not for uh, contact tracing as much as just to provide... Um, clarity on who we have on location, not who, but the numbers, so we can balance it out and provide safety. So keep that in mind. Let's just begin with a moment of prayer, if we would. Father, we come before you in thanksgiving today, one year after this whole thing has begun. And so, Lord, we pause in this and we give you thanks. I ask, Lord, your blessing upon those who are giving um, and those who can't for whatever reason. We ask, Lord, that you bless uh, the gift that is given and the giver. We ask, Lord, that you'd use these things for your wisdom and purpose, whether online or in person. Um, but all that aside, we just give thanks today that one year later we're still all present here together. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is going to be uh, a little bit of a different service. We are stepping away from our series, which we will finish over the next two weeks of time, starting next week again. And um, we wanted to take this time to... Basically, uh, remember, um, it was literally one year ago today, uh, it'll be tomorrow actually, that we interrupted services. We had the word of what was happening and the news was being spread. We had planned on having service on the 15th of March, but as time came along, we realized we weren't going to be able to do that in any way that could be safe with the facts we knew at that period of time. And so very quickly, we canceled uh, that service out as far as in presence. And we rapidly, crazily shifted to a live stream format. Now, we had not done live stream in the past, um, even though we had the equipment for it and other things in place. That was a philosophical decision. We were um, doing that uh, 
because the tendency of live stream, and for those of you that are doing even now, is to spectate and not to participate. Um, it can lend itself to a detached sense of channel surfing, which some of you will have found over this last season of time, and an unengaged or even critical mindset. We're too busy critiquing what's taking place than participating. And so we'd consciously not done that. Now, at the same time, um, once this was in place, we had no choice. We recognized that. And so we made some quick adjustments. But before we go to that, let's just take a moment, because many of us have forgotten where we were at a year ago, how suddenly the streets were bare. Nobody was driving anywhere. Unless you were an essential worker, you weren't supposed to be driving. If you were an essential worker, you were supposed to have a letter proving it, or you could be pulled over and fined or arrested or whatever else. All of our staff were given such letters and continued to work and operate during this season of time, as did many others of you. For the rest of us, suddenly a lot of us were locked up in our homes. We were operating things through Zoom. Some of us who had never had that technology before in our lives that thought Zoom was what we did with our cars suddenly realized that we're doing it now by uh, camera. Children at home. Seniors that lost an entire graduation time period. Um, this was a time that was disturbing for many of us. We didn't know what was coming next. We didn't know how things would operate. We didn't know whether we would have jobs when we were done, whether we would have families, whether we'd have a church, or how things would be changed during that season of time. Some of our staff commented how on the service times on the 15th, how we came and how weird it was to have only eight or so of us in the building here operating equipment, and how the parking lot was, was completely empty, the streets empty. We are talking about, one of them pointed out how when we were doing the live stream, how because of the freedom that was involved and also because of the intensity of the moment that myself and others would, would you couldn't see us on the camera, we'd wander the, the aisles and the uh, um, rows praying while worshiping, praying for you guys. Praying with very specific faces and names in front of us, week after week. And then as some of us began to come back, or maybe we were able to stop by to drop off a tithe, or to, to drop off something for the pantry or something else, how many of us had emotion that first time, just coming into the parking lot or coming into the building, or just having contact with another member? And now that we're running services and gathering again, the joy that's come with that and the gratitude that's been part of that. This has been a very, very strange and very, very different time. We established live stream very quickly. And some of the things you didn't know, I can now tell you. We um, had not, our, our, band, our broadband was not broad enough. So we needed additional uh, resources from one of the cable companies. Well, of course, everyone was reaching for that in their homes and everyone else, so we were told it was going to take weeks, which means we weren't going to be able to communicate to anyone during that time, or at least really limited. Fortunately, one of our own people worked for one of those places and were in a position that we were able to gain access within days, not weeks. That was God's provisioning, I think, in that moment of time. Now, we're scrambling with all the material involved, so here's what you didn't know probably uh, um, if you were able to watch that March 15th service. Here's how it played out. The cameras that we have here could not link directly to the net because of things that we had involved. 
We could only do it through an iPhone. So we used these cameras to connect what was happening in the service to communicate to a television monitor that's always over here in the dugout where our music team practices and stuff over off to the side here. So these cameras communicated to that television screen as it does to the rest of the building. And then Jake set up his iPhone on a tripod facing that monitor and transmitted from that iPhone. That was our first service. Praise God. And the fact that it was effective at all was an amazement to us and a relief every single Sunday that something happened or took place. It was a strange and emotional time. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of where it was because we've, we've changed quite a bit since that time in our capacity and ability and everything else. So here's a few pictures of just some of those who were helping in those dark hours. Just a quick snapshot of a few that were working in the studios. We were rapidly trying to pull these things together, uh, setting up boards and other equipment, trying to get the different computers to jive, and then monitoring the live stream so we could respond to comments and all that was part of that. And then finally this shot that to me was one of the most disturbing ones. This was during actual service. And so you can see myself or others were walking around a bit, but the emptiness of this was just something I would come and sit in here and just the starkness of it um, during the weeks and times and the staff was half in, half out as well too. So having seen that, I want to take you back and give you a snapshot of where we were and where we've come uh, one year later. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Rock Point uh, live stream. Uh, to be fair to the bulk of our congregation, <coughs> I feel like I should wait another 15 minutes um, for those who will be walking in late uh, to this uh, broadcast. Um, we're in unprecedented times right now, and it's funny the things that you take for granted until they're gone, whether it's being able to meet together um, or just the safety of the environment that we presume upon. a fairly dramatic change over the time, and I want to express appreciation to our entire technical crew, especially the one led by my son, Tallison. So that's part of what's taking place. Now, the live stream had a lot of effect on a lot of different people, and there are some of you who actually attended services for a few weeks or so, and then everything shut down, and you've continued over this past year to follow us through live stream and are now back on location as a new person that's been with us for a year, if you follow what I'm saying. So there are some of you then as a result also that found us on live stream. That's exactly how you connected, and you showed up. And then there's some of you with the live stream that weren't even human that were following us. 
I've received emails. <laughs> and um, as time has progressed, they actually were following us. I don't know if you can see that. That is a cat watching the live stream. I have come to begin to view cats differently. Some of you are aware of my deep difficulties with felines over the years. But I would say to you that there's been a certain healing as not only do these cats have, have followed us, but they're reading scripture and being discipled. And some of, us have even some of them have even crossed into fellowship um, finally with us. And so uh, it is obvious that cats too uh, can find salvation, though they will not be in heaven. Um, <laughs> and so we now find that as a result of this pandemic, there has been a peace you guys are easy. Okay. <laughs> and a resolution, and so I am formally declaring that there will be no more anti-cat jokes offered on the platform. Strictly on the platform. Off platforms like off-road, whole different issue, okay? Um, so those are some of the things that have taken place. Now, there's some other deeper things that I can share now that I couldn't share before publicly. Um, one of those was a fantastic program developed by uh, Jeff Brown and our children's ministries team. We couldn't announce it before because we would have been overwhelmed. What happened was this. Uh, Jeff's team sent out notices to those of you who had children that were involved over the past year, not this past year, but the year prior that had been involved for the past year. So everyone who was involved in the past year should have received a notification of what we were offering. But if we become public, we would have been overwhelmed. With parents at home and trying to work at the same time, we offered on location something called study hall on Tuesdays and Thursdays for a number of months in the fall and, and even into this year, where students could be dropped off, uh, younger students in the elementary age or so, could be dropped off from uh, what was supposed to be 9 to 3 and then got expanded to 8 to 4. They had computer stations, they had staff assisting, and volunteers and um, lunch was provided and other opportunities were there in place and these were uh, 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 maxed out on a regular basis and it was only discontinued recently. I think we had parents that were in tears and I'm not only half kidding on that, some of them really literally were. It was a life-saving moment and this was offered at no cost, nothing at all. Volunteers came together to establish something in a safe environment for these kids. I haven't heard of any other church that's ever offered anything else like this, and I'm so proud of our children's ministry for what they did. There was a ton of other things I won't bore you with, but, but uh, Detroit Bible Institute went online, and we had more people involved online than on campus. Um, a wild expansion of that. We have continued our ministry in Osborne through Erica and her team. We've continued to be involved with SOAR, with the reading program and mentoring program there. We had care kits that we, care kits, kits that we can talk about now that we passed out to all of our medical uh, and first responders in those early times when they were so overwhelmed and stressed. Um, if we missed you, we're sorry, but we tried to get everyone that we knew that was a part of that. There was a point in time where we felt it was important to recognize our police officers, and so we sent a kit to that, including a set of, of homemade cupcakes that one of our own people made for each one of them. Um, we also then had, uh, at one point in time, our financial people were being overwhelmed because of the government programs and the payroll protection programs, and they were under such stress. And so we tried to identify them and, and put out small packets to them, and again, if we missed anybody in this process, but these were efforts that were made to uh, just show some consideration and care during this season. 
We still have engaged with Costa Rica in our regular communication and have continued to resource Miguel and his family down in, in uh, Costa Rica. We continue to feed children in uh, Guatemala. We have uh, started something that is new to us, a pantry, where we've been feeding people in our own community here uh, that Regina Himmelsbach has headed up. And we've been doing that for this past, uh, ever since the whole thing started out, basically, and have been feeding hundreds, if not thousands of people by now. These are all things that have continued on during this season of time. Now, it's been said as we start to gather back in again that there are five different types of people or individuals that are not going to be returning ever to the church environment. And there's a number of different ones on there. Some of people who were disengaged to begin with, this has accelerated the level of disengagement. Some have felt detached. Um, others of them have fallen into other patterns. This was just another event, and so now their events have filled their lives, and this has become a secondary event. Some of them, it was because it was cultural. And now, frankly, increasing the Christianity and attending church is not a part of the American culture. And so those are individuals that will probably never be restoring or returning back. But there are a whole slew of new people who have found in the middle of this time that Christ is of significant importance to them. That the church, that fellowship, that gathering together is of significance important. And so we have gathered in even as there's others who have fallen away uh, in the time and in the process. It's hard for us to imagine at the time that we walked through this. For four months, we did not meet. From March the 15th until mid-July, we had no gatherings on location of any kind. Many of us were isolated in our homes or separated off in one fashion or another. And then for the last eight months, so for four months that, for the last eight months, we have gathered, but with some serious restrictions. We're slowly being able to loosen those up. And as I said, I think that we were in the last quarter of this game. We still have some to play out, but there's going to be a time when we're going to be able to be free again um, completely. We're continuing the registration again, not for, for uh, um, uh, contact tracing, but more for just the idea of being able to manage the location. Um, I was processing as we looked at this of what message, what, what can be gleaned in this from Scripture as we've stepped away from the series, what can be gleaned in my first thing I was looking at is saying, okay, where were moments in time where, where there was an isolation and a time of waiting and, and what came out of that. And the first one that came to my mind was Nebuchadnezzar. And I thought, really not a great example. He had seven years where he was insane, basically, and isolated in his craziness. And I thought, well, that kind of fits for a lot of us. I know we felt like we went through seven years in one year's time. And eventually it's great because Nebuchadnezzar does come to understand that God is almighty and who should be worshipped. But most of us started from that position. And then found ourselves in various circumstances. So as I was processing that and looking at that, this is where I find myself resting. Jesus, after he dies and resurrects, and it's strange to imagine that we're only two or three weeks now from Easter. And then as we know, Christmas is right around the corner, okay? Jesus dies and resurrects, and for 40 days or so, he walks with the disciples and teaches and engages them. And then at one point in time, he, he tells me, he says, okay, look at I'm going to depart. You're going to need to carry on. And that had to have been a disturbing thing on one level, the flush of, of amazement at Christ's presence and resurrection and what that could mean and, and all that's part of that. And then he's going to go away, and there's still a hunted group of individuals that in many eyes are still discredited. 
And so in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, on one occasion while he's eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Go to Jerusalem, lock down. Don't leave. That's the only commandment you've got, and there's no other direction. You're to go there and lock down. So they go to Jerusalem. They go to the upper room that they had, it appears, probably the place that they had communion last with uh, in the Last Supper. And they wait. Now the language that's used in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, implies like it's going to be a relatively short wait. It implies like just go there and wait. You know, we've all hung out and talked. Now go there and wait. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to, you're going to have another thing happen here. Go, go wait. It's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Hey, it's, okay, it's, it's the day. You think before the end of the day? It's like before the end of the day, maybe. No, it's the end of the day and, and they're still waiting. Okay, tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be that day. No, not tomorrow. Third day. Third day is good. Third day is always good. Good things happen after three days. Resurrection, stuff like that. Three days pass. And still, because according to the count of this, it was probably ten days that they waited. Now that seems short to those of us that have lasted the year. Okay? But for these individuals, in the stressors of what they had and the loss of Christ and in that moment and in their isolation, not knowing what step next to take, we're without a leader. We're now having to be the people to walk this through. And it's an incredible uphill battle. And we're waiting. We thought it would be today and it's not today and it's not tomorrow and it's not the next day and it's not the next day. And this is stretching out for 10 days. The natural tendency could be to abandon the weight or could be to break down into some degree of a conflict or a stressor against one another. Or maybe even just at least have one person out of those that waited because it wasn't just the 12. We're told there was 120 of these disciples that gathered. The tendency would have been to walk away somewhere in that process. But it says that 10 days later, they were still gathered together, that they were still in one accord of spirit and attitude, that they were still kind and thoughtful, it appears, to one another. I want to stop this for a moment and say this. I, I don't know if it'll be the last time I'll say it, but it'll probably be one. I'll try to make it one of the last times because I've said it a couple of times now, but I, I really want to emphasize this. You as a congregation have been fantastic. You guys are the angels of churches. Now for someone who grew up hating church, that's an incredible comment to make, guys. But you truly have. In the last year time, I'm not sure there's even been a critical assault, but there's been maybe one or two eh, discomforting communications, but that's it. Nobody slashed and burned and damaged each other. We had 40 people that were supposed to be in Israel last March. And then we're told they weren't going to get their money back. And for months that stretched out. And not one of them screamed, yelled outside of their homes. <laughs> Nobody said anything about it. Nobody fought over it. Nobody attacked people and blamed anyone. And incidentally, they all got their money back and it was cool. God provided for that too. I know of churches that have been shredded by the politics, and while we've navigated that with some stressors, it hasn't broken us. I know people that are in combat arms over the mask issue. And while we have those that have differing views on those issues and places, you have surrendered lovingly for one another. 
And I got to tell you, I just find you unbelievable. You have been kind and thoughtful. You have been generous. You've been encouraging, whether it's to me or the stemmers or to another. I got to tell you, it's times like this last year that tell you the nature of a people. And I say this because it's by God's grace, not by ourselves, and it's by His Holy Spirit. You have done well in this season of time. These individuals waited, and they waited, but they didn't break their unity. They didn't empty out and walk away. God used that season of time to shape them. Why wait 10 days? Why not just give it to us? I believe because in those 10 days there was something shaping, not just in their camaraderie with one another, but there was something shaping within their own hearts and within their own minds. They were becoming even more conscious of their weakness. Sometimes we need to recognize our emptiness before we can be filled. And something in that season of time took place and established within them. In your season of emptiness in this last year, have you learned anything? I don't say that attackingly. I'm asking you, what have you learned in this season of time? We know the dark side. We know the emptiness and the hurts. But was there something in there that you're able to go back? And if not, then I suggest that you do that and find it. And you may find it in weird places. I'm going to tell you one of mine. And I'm not making light of anyone who has struggled or or had serious issues with COVID. We've had people who have seriously struggled and they're friends of mine and I love them. And I'm not making light of this at all. My family and I, early on, all were stricken with this. But for us, it was not a horrible issue. It was the muscle aches, it was the headaches, it was the fatigue and other features, but it meant being isolated for two weeks. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not making light, I'm just telling you this for myself. In this past year, those two weeks isolated, not able to see, not able to engage with anyone, were the two most restful weeks that I've had in 10 years. <laughs> I couldn't go anywhere. Nobody could really reach out to me. And I'm like, for the first day or two, it's just like, and then it's after this, it's just like, oh, this is kind of good. <laughs> and as a family, the four of us were able to be together in a way that normally would pull us in different directions. And I got to tell you, there was something found in that moment. I know others of you have expressed the same in your own lives. And what I recognized in that is that for those two weeks, I had two weeks, I had 14 sabbaticals in a row, or Sabbaths, I should say, not sabbatical. That's still an issue. But a 14 Sabbaths in a row. And I was made even more aware in that time of the need for such things and of the importance, even as life begins to pick back up again, that we make space to fellowship with one another, that we make space to commune with God, that we make space to be quiet once again. These guys wait. These men and these women, they wait. And after 10 days of waiting, still unified and and recognizant of their emptiness and and, and their need for for God in the midst of this to arrive. Then we find in Acts chapter 2, after 10 days when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and established something, and now the church is born. That any of us who are followers of Christ have the Holy Spirit residing, and that Spirit witnesses to one another. And so it's not just me in fellowship with John, it's the Spirit of God in John that is also residing with the Spirit of God in me. We are not gods. <laughs> but as we recognize who is God, Christ's Holy Spirit rests upon us, and there's a, re- a connection and relationship that cuts across all boundaries and all lines and forms the church out of this, they begin to speak. These guys who were so shy and so ignorant begin to speak, and 3,000 people are added to the church suddenly in that day. 120 to 3,000 in one day. They had to wait 10. But in one day, bang! Jesus had told them in Matthew chapter 28 before he left them, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, which is the command. We're supposed to go and make disciples. We tease about a cat reading a Bible, but we're the ones that are supposed to be reading that scripture. Pretty bad when a cat's ahead of us, isn't it, you know? We're supposed to be disciples, and we're supposed to make disciples and draw in other people into this process, and it's to be of all nations, not just Americans, not just Canadians, not just Israelis, but of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have a baptismal service coming up Good Friday, shameless plug. Be baptized, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I know, I know, I know there were times that you felt, maybe even surrounded by family, that you were alone in this last year of time, and you were not. If you were a follower of Christ, you were never, ever alone. He never once abandoned you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And then we find ourselves, as we move, look through all this and process this through as to what it means, there's a statement of perseverance that we find in Hebrews chapter 10, where it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. I think this next year is going to be a different challenge, but in some ways more challenging than the year before. Many more decisions without a lot of general guidance is go- are going to be, have to be executed. Let us hold on swirling to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward continued love and good deeds. And then this line, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. I want to state right now that as of now, I am formally asking you as members who are live streamers scattered right now to return to the church. I'm not in any state of desperation. Frankly, by new guidelines, we're packed out right now. And in fact, you will find frustration over the next couple of months being able to attend, at least in second. First service has a little more space, but we're probably going to struggle for a number of months, and you may only be able to find yourself able to attend once a month. But I'm asking you for your sake to begin the process of returning. Now, if you have health issues, you have other issues, this is not to lay a guilt trip. It's not a calling out of people. We're not going to have a list of those who don't return. We're not going to have a list of shame. But this is an open thing of saying, this is time for us to come back together. 
Encourage one another. Lift each other up. Hebrews chapter 10 says in verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will see what he's promised. We need to persevere. And then Hebrews 10 verses 38 and 39, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. In this next season of time, I want to encourage you, don't shrink back. Now, again, there are those for a variety of reasons, from work situations to family situations, health situations, that won't be joining us on location for some season of time. There are some of you that are scattered across the nation, maybe, that won't. At our height, we had over 3,000 people that were engaged on live stream. We have currently, I'm told, around 1,000 people. We're sold to do 2.5 for every viewing, so we have close to 1,000 people even now as the room is filled still viewing things on live stream. And some of you will never darken the door because you have health issues that are permanent or whatever the case is. So again, this isn't any recrimination against that. You persevere where you're at. But we need not shrink back in being in fellowship with one another or in pursuing the things of God. I want to read you something that was written by one of our women. They have a website that they blog. This is offered to you by uh, uh, Debbie Van Amber, posted February 28th of this year. Here's what she wrote. A year ago, the idea of virtual church was not something I would have considered. I loved the connection of being with other people, serving, praying, worshiping, and learning. Then everything shut down, and we adapted. The service was offered through live stream and wasn't perfect, sometimes interrupted by technical difficulties, but quickly improved and became a new way to connect. Virtual church was something I was thankful for to have. During a time when chaos and isolation were prevalent, it gave a sense of peace and normalcy. I sat on my cozy couch with a cup of coffee, dressed in my comfiest clothes, and prayed, worshipped, and learned, and sometimes cried. I longed to get back to church in real life. And the title of the blog is Church IRL. As the months dragged on, I became comfortable with my big comfy couch, cup of coffee, and athleisure wear. I'm assuming that's like athletic leisure wear. On Sunday mornings, there was no morning rush, my dress code was even more casual than my churches, and I was never late to service. We need to dwell on that whole late to service issue at another time, all right? But I felt myself struggling and questioning and drifting without realizing it. I was becoming more an observer and less a participant. This is his, her stuff. I had nothing to do with this. An observer and less a participant. It was subtle, but it was happening. I was watching, but not with the same engagement, instead becoming distracted and discouraged my note here, I value the live stream. I value what we've been able to achieve with technology. All I'm saying is there's something different in being in fellowship. We appreciate what we have and have been given. And for some, it's a real lifesaver, especially for some of our people that have been seriously disabled for lengthy periods of time. There's something about gathering. As the world began to open, she says, last summer, an opportunity to go back to church in person was available. My husband and I held off. There were still a lot of reasons to be cautious, and since my husband is a healthcare worker, we felt it was best to stay remote. I wrestled with wanting to attend services in person, and at the same time, comfortable with our new normal. So we waited and waited. Our first time back in person was weird. I don't know how to explain it. It was familiar, but different. And I think I spent less time soaking it in and more time figuring it out. Honestly, it was not the experience I was expecting. We ended up going remote again for a while until just recently, but something in me shifted. 
I started to feel the fog around me clear. The appeal of the anonymous virtual experience faded. And I remembered the joy of worshiping together. Going to church looks different now, and it feels a little odd. But even with the mass, elbow bumps, and social distancing, we are still together. Serving, praying, worshiping, and learning in real life. And she closes with this, and when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Matthew 18, verse 20. We have gone through a year like no other. And we have survived intact. When I look back a year ago in this room, none of us were gathered. The emotion of being present here without you was stark. A year ago, None of us were gathered. But it's been a year, and we're still here. It's been a year, and we are, in fact, as a church, now stronger than we were a year ago. It's been a year, and God has never once abandoned us for a single moment. He has still laid upon us the injunction to go to all nations and to make disciples and to not even forsake the coming together of ourselves in real life. It's been a year. And we still praise God from whom all blessings flow. Last Easter, a song was sung to a mostly empty room. And you may have seen it But this morning, we wanted to present it to you again. We wanted you to hear the fullness of this in real life and to remember whose you are. To remember that while we wait, that God doesn't abandon us. And there's a time when the waiting is over and this thing will be finished and we will worship freely before the throne of God as a people. A year ago, This place was empty. Now, once again, it's filled with the praises to God. A year ago, we were isolated and separated. And now, we're engaging once again. In three weeks' time, we celebrate Easter, but it will be a different Easter than last year. Amen? Amen. This is a time to celebrate. It's not over yet, but we can see the end in sight. This is a time to give thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we today, as we are gathered here, or as we continue to be scattered, Lord, we come before you as your church, connected by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we offer you praise and worship and thanksgiving. And I pray right now, Lord, for those who still feel themselves in isolation, that you would impact upon them right now through the presence of your Holy Spirit, your presence, and that of your church, and that you draw them out of that darkness 
And Lord, as we continue to resolve these things and walk forward, I pray, Lord, that the joy we would have would encourage others, Lord God, to come alongside and tell the entire world is singing your praises. Until the entire world is singing your praises. Because one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And until that day, we wait, but with anticipation, with anticipation. We thank you, we praise you. In your name we have gathered, and in your name we go forth. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the church said, amen. Amen. Absolutely. We begin next week again with our series moving towards Easter. God bless you.